So is this when you're going to start your career as a scatter? Yeah. For, but for just TV show transitions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Namely, uh, also, when, when Doug inevitably comes back, I can do the intro song. You're going to be the point person. <laughs> the <laughs> Welcome to Sibling Revelry. I'm Caitlin Perlman. And I'm Andrew Merriweather. And we're siblings. Also roommates. Also best friends. Also co-tandem unicycle enthusiasts. Uh, <laughs> you may not have seen a tandem unicycle in your neighborhood quite yet. just a bicycle with two seats? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but with a the unicycle, there's no handlebars. Oh. Right, so a tandem okay. bicycle... It's just like two unicycles, and then you take a bar, and then you just connect. It, you the just two. connect them, yeah. But then imagine like you could have a hinge in the middle, and then just fold it up. Very, very utilitarian. Oh, I imagine this is like this is the couple commuter experience yeah. that we've all been waiting for. Well, I feel like it's a it's a it's kind of a trust exercise, really, because no handlebar. You kind of have to trust the other person to really be balanced. Frankly, you shouldn't marry someone unless you can unicycle Tandem at least unicycle. twenty minutes yeah. okay. to and from a destination. <laughs> without killing the other person <laughs> it's a risky test isn't marriage i mean isn't marriage <laughs> risk? Not, isn't not, not that risky. a risk isn't love a tandem unicycle <laughs> forever <laughs> all right so this is a podcast where we uh, talk about topics each week uh one of us uh this week it's going to be me brings is brings in a topic that we're going to discuss at length uh caitlin has no idea what the topic is going to be this week uh so she's going to be just responding off the cuff i've done maybe a little bit of thinking about it but not too much uh so this is going to be pretty fresh mm-hmm. uh and we will also have some fun segments we have a new one for you uh today yeah i'm excited uh, to introduce it caitlin uh before we get into it i think we need to speak for our demographics absolutely every week we speak for a different demographic um that we represent um but we're speaking for the whole group. Yes, exactly. I mean, because they can't be here. Not everybody so can fit we have in your bedroom. A, we have to give them a voice. Right, exactly. They want to be spoken for. <laughs> we read their minds. <laughs> so uh, today I'm going to be speaking for all brunettes who have never broken a single bone in their body and who drink at least three cups of tea a day. Oh, you're up to three cups now. I'm pretty much up to three cups. If I make if I make a whole pot in the morning, and the pot in the evening, that's like that's like four to six cups there. You really go hard on the tea in the winter. I do. You it's, really just like mm-hmm. hit that pot, <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> not not marijuana pot. <laughs> right. Tea pot. Wake and boil. Different kind of herbal refreshment. <laughs> So Andrew, who are, you, who are you speaking for today? Right. So today I'm going to be speaking uh, for all uh, cisgendered males who were uh, born at their home, had a home birth, uh, who have eaten meat off the sh- off a sheep's face, uh, and who uh, played Charlie in uh, the beloved musical Oliver, who is the friend of uh, Dodger. Who's the main pickpocket? Charlie's gets one line, <laughs> one line that he just gets to be a little sassy piece of crap, and then <laughs> walks off. That's very nice. I love, I love uh, the reference uh, to to your um, 
crap what was the first thing you said <laughs> being born <laughs> being born yeah. that one that you forgot <laughs> the home birth i think that's a pretty awesome fact yeah people are either like really intrigued or, or like repulsed. or very offended especially when they hear that our parents sleep in the bed that you were born yeah in. people get really creeped out about that and you're just like why is come, you know happens literally every 10 seconds or so well and think about all the births that are happening at hospitals like everyone is in a bed that, that somebody else has been in and is sleeping in those beds you know they mm-hmm. reuse those yeah <laughs> you know gross that like, like all right we had a birth on it just go ahead and throw this expensive piece of equipment out <laughs> All right. Well, so I think uh, we are prepared to jump in here. Yeah. Uh, you ready for my topic? I'm so ready. I'm pretty excited for this one. Okay. Good. So uh, my topic for today is health. All right. Um, and specifically the question of like, what is your personal definition of health? Mm. What do we mean uh, by health? And the reason that this has been on my mind recently is that over Christmas, uh, everyone in our family, except for me, was given a Fitbit. <laughs> and many people I've seen have Fitbits Fitbit now. is blowing up. I mean, it was kind of popular before, but it's it is like people notice. I was every member of your family, including me, right? I'm right. one of the members of the family. You're that wearing got your Fitbit, Fitbit right now. I'm wearing my Fitbit right now. I love I love it. But yeah, we it was literally our par- our parents and me. And then when I'm at school, uh, kids stop me and are like, "Oh my god!" Either like I have that same Fitbit, or uh, I love your Fitbit. Can I have it? Right. Um, <laughs> Which is something that like the 12 year olds will just ask you. I love that thing you, that like very expensive thing you own. Can I have it? No, no, you cannot have it. You couldn't possibly love it as much as you love me having it. <laughs> you, as much as the joy that it would bring you to give it to me. Children yeah. are horrible. <laughs> Children are honest. I guess. Maybe we're, we're, we're all always already thinking, thinking that. But Please give me your Fitbit. Right. <laughs> My happiness is more important than your happiness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's very true. So uh, the reason I'm interested about Fitbit uh, or interested in Fitbits is because now like this whole like big data craze, mm-hmm. which is everywhere, has now like sort of infiltrated the whole health sphere. So now, you know, people are checking their computers, uploading their stats from the day whether it's their sleep cycles whether it's like how many stair flights they've climbed Mm -hmm. you know and that in some way is like taking on this like i know i'm healthy or not based on you know these graphs on these numbers that are on my computer um, which seems like a very different understanding of health than when i was Mm -hmm. growing up or what i was told you know um by our parents by doctors whatever well i do think people still have varied definitions of what health is. Um, I think what is interesting about this whole activity tracker craze, whether it, you're using specifically the brand Fitbit or something else, that, you're, that, we, that, the, that the technology has come far enough now that there is, we can actually map with a certain amount of accuracy how far we've traveled. Um, certainly our heart rates, the heart rate monitor aspect of it is pretty accurate. Um, steps we've taken, um, but also how we sleep. Um, how many calories we're burning. I mean, what I have counts how many calories I burn a day based on um, my height and weight and then also my level of activity. Um, And if I enter in the foods that I eat, I can actually track sort of a calorie in, calorie out sort of situation. You can set it up so that you have calorie deficits if you want to lose weight, things like that. Um, And so it's getting to be more and more accurate. 
uh, and we're and more and more sort of different categories of data that you can collect. So it is interesting now. This evolution, I feel like, with this evolution of what the technology can do, it's just blowing up. Yeah, exactly. When I think it's interesting because it sort of has turned health away from I feel good. Mm-hmm. This sort of like, how do I feel when I look in the mirror? How do I feel just energy wise? Um, you know, uh, productive wise, you know, is my mind feel sharp? Does my like, do I feel like I'm out of breath when I'm like climbing a hill? Do I, you know, these things that are like very just from your own subjective experience to this like hard line, like data, these things are sort of like quantitative facts about whether you are healthy or not. You can just see it, Mm -hmm. right? Like despite whatever it is that you're feeling about it, like these are the numbers. This is yeah. like what your calorie count was. Numbers don't lie. Well, so how do you use it? How do you think about the numbers <clears throat> in relationship to like just your own subjective feeling about where you are in your health? Um, what I do really like it for is that it's it sets goals. I mean, there's the whole 10,000 step sort of idea and you could probably up that goal if you want. Um, but on but on the days where for whatever reason, because I've been sedentary a lot for work um, or I didn't have time to exercise and my steps are low. I'm more motivated to actually literally just like walk around, go for a walk, walk around the apartment, do something active because I'm noticing because I have something literally telling me you haven't been that active today. Even if I know it in the back of my mind, it's that it's a reminder that's right there present. And so I'm actually I'm more active. So you feel like you if you didn't have the reminder, like you would actually just you would forget or would you be less motivated? Like you would it would still come to your consciousness like I haven't been that active today, but would it? be less motivating to be coming from your own brain as Mm -hmm. opposed to this device? It's motivational, certainly. But it's also, you know, we're not always, we're not going through our days just paying attention to how much, always paying attention to how we how much we've moved we have a lot of other things on our mind um you know i'm thinking about my job i'm thinking about the stuff i have to get done i'm thinking about um what i'm making for dinner i'm thinking about what i'm doing this this weekend you know i'm thinking about all those things and so if i look back in my day and say i don't feel like i moved a lot or i feel like i moved enough i have an actual i have something that is counting it for me and so it can actually tell me yeah you've been okay but you could be better why don't you spend the next hour doing while you're doing this other thing that you can do while moving around moving around all right Ken, let's take a break from the conversation all right uh, and let's turn to our good friend lucia for some life advice yes i'm very excited about this she this has is a new many segment. years <laughs> 27 in fact yeah. from which to draw from uh, what and she can it's really possible the us. first couple there you she may not be able to draw that much but that's okay yeah there's well, like we'll at see. least 25 right so lucia welcome thank you ken do you want to go first and share sure i'm a little bit loath to to ask this mostly because it's it is pretty personal so i'm i'm in a um I'm in a situation in which i am romantically interested in someone and receiving a lot of mixed signals and I'm at a place where I'm like, I don't really want to confront this person and be like, I really like you. Let me lay it all out. Can you describe some of the mixed messages you've received? I mean, it's the sort of thing where at first I thought, this person really likes me a lot. And then it was like, I could be interested in this person. Yes, I like him. And then it was sort of like, or maybe 
he just is nice. And I'm like completely picking up on the wrong. I'm just like, and then it's sort of, and then, I don't know, it, it fluctuates between feeling like he reaches out to me and what is interested and then is kind of hinting that maybe nothing romantic will happen. Uh, there's a little bit of hot and cold. I see. And I guess I just am at the place, especially like at the point I am in my life where I'm like, I don't really feel like playing around with this hot and cold business. I kind of don't have time for this right now. You're a grown woman. I'm a grown ass woman. <laughs> You're a grown woman too. You're, I'm only, I'm yeah. only a year older than you are. <laughs> That's yeah. So maybe you should give me advice. <laughs> I don't have any advice to give you. I have nothing. That's the worst advice you can give. Okay, great. Sounds like a problem. Now help me. (laughs) Um, No. Okay. So, Caitlin, it sounds to me like you have two options. Mm -hmm. You can either um, face your fears and tell this man how you feel. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty scary. Yeah. Um, But the upside is you would get a lot of clarity about where you stand. That's true. And that and that would be nice. And to be honest, I don't know. I mean, the the conversation would be uncomfortable sort of no matter what. But even if it was if it was a negative reaction from him, be like, "Yeah, that's uncomfortable. I could live with that." It's more the feeling of like, "I like this person a lot. I don't want to make it weird because I'm also okay with just being his friend if like that's kind of where we stand." But I don't know how I don't know how he would react to it. So, I just have this thought of like, "Is it worth it?" So, you could either tell him in person or you could let it go mm-hmm. and decide to keep him as a friend. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in a situation like this yourself? Uh, I have, and I have never really had the guts to tell a person in uh-huh. person. Just to be honest. I feel like that's yeah. the advice you usually get is like, well, we I should know. just be honest. And you're like, easier said than done. For one thing, I'm not a confrontational person at all. No, I'm not either. Um, <laughs> so that's good. I'm glad <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's hard. I think when I have been in that situation, I don't want to be rejected and mm-hmm. I don't want it to get weird. So I don't take face-to-face action, which I think is the preferred way to do this. Just because you can't communicate the same way over text messages or emails, which... No, I would never send an email or text message about something right. like this. I, For one thing, I would much, I would actually much rather have a face-to-face conversation than a phone conversation any day of the week, without question. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's great. Body language and all that, like yeah, being able to read sure. the situation. So um, you know. <laughs> I think the way is clear. I don't know. I think the way is clear. I, I think mean, the only thing you have to, you have nothing to lose in this situation other than, well, I guess maybe you have a potential dignity. friend. <laughs> no. I mean, I guess not your dignity. I guess another trite piece of advice that I've heard mm-hmm. is you imagine how you would feel if you were in the situation Mm -hmm. and you've been in the situation so you know how it feels and the the person is is not going to be like oh god i (laughs) like no right he'll probably be like wow caitlin thank you for sharing your feelings i'm with you or i'm not with you yeah, that's fair. So yeah, maybe I just need to go on a fact-finding mission and suck it up and grow a pair. <laughs> very, I mean, like, very serious. I think we've all been in that sort of situation. We have. Like, should I? Should I not? It's right. a bad feeling. Yeah, it's not a good... And you never want to feel rejected, even if it's by someone who's like, I just really like you as a person. Yeah. Still some, stinging a little. Something about being liked as a person isn't that satisfying, <laughs> as it turns out. <laughs> 
but you know, Brene Brown of many, many TED Talks would tell you to be vulnerable. Mm. <laughs> I am not Brene Brown, but <laughs> I'm telling you. You're not endorsing that. But... Don't be vulnerable. Never be vulnerable. <laughs> and the nature of vulnerability is that it's uncomfortable. So yeah, and I and do, we don't like to be uncomfortable. No, and I, I do everything within my means to avoid discomfort. <laughs> So maybe I'm not that qualified <laughs> to give you advice. Well, it's I think that you gave me the best advice that I could get. Yeah, well, maybe you can keep your listeners posted on this, on the actions or inactions uh-huh. that you take. I, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Unless this person is listening, right? Well, that's, that's the problem. <laughs> he could be. Whew. So another thing that I'm curious about with like health in this time period that we're living in, especially with Fitbits, is the ability to share your health status. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sure you've seen on like, I know know you use MapMyRun and I know I've seen on other health apps. There's the ability to share your stats. And I imagine Fitbit has some sort of feature that is along these lines. Yeah, you can like friend other people who have Fitbits and and you can do like challenges. You can challenge people to stuff. Um, yeah. So like what are your thoughts on, on this? Because <laughs> I mean, we used to be that you had to just be like full-fledged narcissist taking a picture of your abs and then posting about <laughs> how excited let's be honest, you were. That's still happening. Oh, that happens all the time. <laughs> and I always, what goes through my mind is like, what is going through your head that mm-hmm. this seems like... You lift like... the shirt, the mic situation pose, the shirt lift <laughs> right. and the abs. Yeah. Right, like just worked out, <laughs> look how buff I am, like ad- like gawk at my body. Like such yeah. a weird Og- phenomenon. Ogle me. ogle me all day. Yeah, it's a very... I mean, like I want people to ogle me too, but like I am not at that level of... I, I just... It's so foreign to me to like want to share that. Yeah. On, on social media but so the, the i'm just curious about what is that about what is what well, is okay. is that supposed to be further motivation or is that a sham well i think it's i mean i think it depends on who you are um there was a time i don't i no longer listen to this podcast but there was a time where i listened to a podcast um that was a sort of fitness health podcast um brief like 10 10 minute sort of audio podcast he was saying um if you're if you got fitness goals like do some kind of blog or like use social media to share what you're doing because if you have an audience, there's more accountability. Hmm. Like you feel more accountable to your goals. Um, and some people really, really need that. And that's that makes sense to me in the same way that like, I don't know, telling someone, clo- a close friend of yours that you trust, this is these are my health goals. I think, I think sharing, confiding with someone that you know and saying, I want to lose this much weight or I want to um, make this... Di- particular dietary choice or this particular exercise choice and saying to this person please hold me accountable to that i think that makes total sense but see i don't think that if you didn't post on social media that you had done your run that you were supposed to do that anyone would hold you accountable to it i mean, I think that's like that's well right i think that's the flip side of it is that well what sort of i mean it's the same way in which like tweeting about what you ate for breakfast like no one actually cares i mean that's the thing like probably not because like think about if you're all if you're active enough on social media that you are you're the type of person who's like sharing uh your stats your workout stats on twitter presumably you spend a, a decent amount of time on it and you have a lot of 
people that you're following who are coming into your newsfeed. Mm-hmm. So there's very unlikely that as a random stranger, right, who might be following this person who's tweeting their workout routine, that like you would even think twice about that person not posting about their workout. There's a way that it, it, it seems like it's a good tool for affirmation, right? Mm-hmm. That someone's like, I ran 10 miles. And you're like, that's great. Awesome yeah. job. You should be proud of yourself. But like to, as like an accountability tool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's more, it's, more psych- it's more psychological than it is real. It's, right. more, it's more like, I don't feel like I'm being accountable if I don't post it, if I don't do it. I am fascinated by our ability to share more and more about our lives all the time. So mm-hmm. it used to be that you just blogged about stuff, right? So you could blog about your health. You could blog about your progress. Yeah. Um, but there, with these like sort of up-to-the-date numbers about how many calories you've had, how many calories you've burned, yeah. and people could always be knowing like where, like what your physiological like situation situation is and it's really disturbing to me yeah well it's <laughs> i don't yeah it's it's really bizarre you know and like so recently shia labeouf uh whose antics i really enjoy i <laughs> i really enjoy watching shia labeouf and what he's gonna do um so he recently partook in a in a performance art project where he wore f- some sort of fitbit ish thing and he um it was just just monitoring his heart Mm-hmm. Right, that was the only thing they cared about. Just so, a heart rate monitor watch, basically. Right, and they had it connected wirelessly to a site that they had, which was just this pixelated heart that went at the rate of whatever Shia LaBeouf's heart was at the time. <laughs> and you could just go to this website, and, and that's all that was there. You couldn't search anything. It was just literally this <laughs> pulsating heart. But you could always know what, what Shia LaBeouf's heart rate was. <laughs> and I kind of loved that. I I, I kind of really liked that. Wow. I thought that was really. I, I think it's a, a really interesting project. But I I'm wondering if we're gonna get to this place where all of that data is shared all the time. I mean, you know, more and more people are tracking us on the internet. We know that, mm-hmm. right? And you know, at a certain point, we'll like f- you know that information of our average heart rate, our average calorie intake our average activity levels and as Fitbits get more and more advanced and able to track even more information, will companies be able to target advertising based on your physiological data? Will like hospitals contact you? Well, and also, I mean, I've, I've often wondered about like diagnostics. Like what if like it gets so advanced that your activity tracker can can start to look for red flag, like health red flags, like I'm sensing some arrhythmia here kind of stuff. Imagine getting that text in a meeting. You're like, God, uh, I got to go, guys. Uh, someone else has got to lead this PowerPoint. <laughs> I got to gotta go take care of this arrhythmia dart. situation. <laughs> Yeah, go for it. I'm I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Lucy, I really need help with this one. (laughs) (laughs) Real talk right now. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. I'm also listening. So what do you do when you want to get a tattoo? Okay. And you've been planning this tattoo probably for the past four years. And your girlfriend tells you that she does not want you to get a tattoo. And in addition, would find you less attractive if you were to get said tattoo. Can you describe what the tattoo 
would look like? Yes. So we lost our uncle last spring uh, to cancer. Uh, and then when our cousin, uh, who was his son and our, and our aunt's son, was nine, um, he passed away from leukemia. And that was 10 years ago. And that was 10 years ago. And so I uh, wanted to get a tattoo in honor of him and also in honor of my cousin. Um, and Caitlin and I have been talking about this for a while. And even my graduation present from Caitlin was a tattoo. She's going to mm-hmm. pay for it. And my, I'm still going to pay for it. It's She's just, pay it's, for it. we've been hammering out the details and I'm also going to get a tattoo. Uh, where I would place it is on like my ribs. That's the plan. Bold move. Bold move. Going to just gonna hurt go like big. Hell. Uh, I'm gonna cry a little bit, and uh, and it's gonna be a boy who is standing sort of on uh, the the front of a boat, um, sort of like on the top metal rail edge, and he's gonna be holding a lantern, sort of looking out onto like a lake scene. That's sort of the general premise because we spent a lot of time at this lake with our uncle and our cousin, um, and that was a really special and spiritual place for them, uh, and it has some additional significance for me related to my life that's not necessarily connected to my uncle. As someone who has never wanted a tattoo i'm not entirely sure i can empathize with your plight however i do appreciate that you've put a lot of thought and consideration into your tattoo and that it's a tribute to someone who has played an important role in your life so i guess for you you'd have to consider on a scale of one to ten how important this tattoo is to you how so i mean it's not as if this is the first time she's hearing about it Right. Obviously, we've talked about it. And right. right, Like, you know, I wouldn't be talking about it on this podcast if it was, you know, but (laughs) um, I guess my question is, like, how does somebody like enroll another person in the idea of the tattoo? Persuader. Because I'm convinced once he gets it and she sees it, she'll actually like it. Has she seen an image of what it might look like? No, not yet. Because I mean, I haven't even gone to the tattoo artist to get a sketch done. I mean, right. I'm not even at that stage yet. So it seems like, one, if you make a case for how important this tattoo is to you and explain the significance in your life, which it sounds like you might have already done. And then also if you give her an idea of what it might look like in terms of size and coloring, then it will help her conceptualize what it might look like on your body because she's probably thinking it's going to be like huge and tacky (laughs) and not that great to look at. Mm -hmm. Right. I I wonder if she would be happy be just being more involved in the process and meeting the artist, seeing his other work. If if we know other people who've been to this artist, seeing their tattoos and how it looks on the body and saying, this is what's possible. And this is what I'm putting on my body. That's great. I agree with Caitlin because I think the more involved she is in the process, the more buy-in she'll have and the more assured she'll be that you're not going to get something really hideous and tacky, which is probably what she is fearing right now. <laughs> That's what I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's. I think that's good advice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully she agrees. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, is this part of your campaign to convince her? <laughs> I don't know. I just, when I was thinking about what advice I wanted to seek from you, this was something that like really stood out in my mind. Uh, so just to say, just a shout out to our, our listeners. If you have predicaments that you would like advice on, uh, you can write into us sibling revelry podcast at gmail.com. Uh, or you can tweet at us at sibling underscore revelry, uh, and just send us your questions, your concerns, and we will read them out, out mm-hmm. on the podcast and Lucia will provide her wisdom. Um, 
Cool. So should we get back to the conversation? Sounds good. Thanks, Lucia. Oh, thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of brings me back to my, my original question about subjective experience versus this objective thing. When something from the outside is telling you, like, you are, are or are not healthy. Mm-hmm. Right? And then, like, how does that factor into, like, but I've... But I f- actually feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Even like showing you stats, like you are, I don't know, 83% more likely to get diabetes <laughs> later in life. Right. Like crap like that. Like you're just like, oh, man. Uh, we'll talk about becoming paranoid, right? Right. Or like a hypochondriac of Yeah, because we get, we would get, I mean, we, you can like look up each of those um, diseases and, um, and the kind of diseases that are caused by ill health earlier in life that manifest later in life. You could look that, you could go seek that out. But if you have an app that is monitoring your health and behavior and your activity and then telling you like your risk factors. Right. Um, it like, I don't know that kind of mess, that kind of messes with your, with your head a little. And, and I think the interest, I mean, the thing about human psychology is that it, it seems like in theory, if, if something is alerting you that the way that you're eating puts you at higher risk for diabetes, that you would stop eating that way. It's not actually really how human psychology works. Well, I think that's a really good point that perhaps like the negative reinforcement, like trying to convince people to be healthier because they're they're going to they're putting their they're putting themselves more at risk of getting heart disease. Right. Is something that's been around for a while, but doesn't seem like it's made a lot of headway in making people healthier. So like figuring out like what's the real motivation to be, get healthy, mm-hmm. I think is a really interesting question, because I mean, I, I think. I, my understanding is that, and maybe this is where the numbers are actually good in some way, or like they have these goals that like if you reach them, like you get positive affirmation, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, way to go. But like if you don't reach them, they won't give you a thumbs down or like be like, hey, what's going on? And maybe mm-hmm. that's not the, ultimately that's not the direction we would want to go. I think for me, I want to strike a balance where I am, I mean, I, I have it, I wear it, I want to use it. Um, and I want to use it in a way that's that's motivating. That is, that I'm seeing the way that that uh, having it makes me causes me to make healthier choices. I want to use that, but I don't want to depend on it. I don't want to obsess over it. Um, and I don't want to say this is the end all be all epitome. This epitomizes my health. Right. You don't want it to be the definer. Right. Because then, in some way, that's giving the the device like too much power over more power than it really actually has in terms of its capabilities. Right. Well, so then at the end of the day though, what does it mean to you to be healthy? For me, it really is about how I feel for me. It in the times when I think about where I've been at the peak of my health and times where I think I've been in the, at the opposite, like it really sort of feeling low health. It is about how I feel. It's about when I wake up in the morning, how much energy I have. Do I look forward to going on my run when I, you know, when I'm really at health, I'm, like I think about running when I'm not running. I'm like thinking about how great it's going to feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sort of like just like I sort of can feel my feet pounding the pavement. I can feel my heart. I sort of imagine what it feels like to have my heart pumping. And I look I look forward to it. I mean, I think about there was a period of time when I was in college. There was a semester where I was just like really, really kicking some butt when it came to health. I wasn't eating any sugar. I just sort of made the ch- I was like, I'm going to see what happens if I don't eat sugar. And I was taking a dance class. And I was running 
only th- I was actually only running three times a week, but I would get up every morning, Tuesdays and Thursdays for my dance class. I go dance for an hour and a half. I come home and I do Pilates for about 45 minutes. And then I go to, then I go to lunch and eat my no, no sugar, no dessert lunch, make dinner at home. And then on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays after work, I'd go for a run for about an hour. Um, and I looked awesome. I felt <laughs> awesome. And, um, everyone was like, you look awesome. <laughs> like in a way that was like, you just seem like really, and I just was, I just, I, I had so much energy. When I feel, I feel like it's important that that always remains the main key indicator for health mm-hmm. for me. I feel like the data should be a means to an end to that. Right. As opposed to like these two things that you're balancing to be like, well, you might feel fine, but have you taken a look at your charts? Yeah. It, it, at the end of the day, it is about feeling good um, and self and feeling good, like about yourself, self-esteem and feeling good physically, just how you feel walking around your every, your day to day life. I feel like the numbers feel more, uh, quanti- they, they are more quantitative, but they're also cold in a way. They're not, I think it's hard to connect with them as opposed to waking up and saying this, these new habits that I've developed, um, this is what I've noticed about just the way I'm being in the world. Or even just like get us to a place where we wouldn't even need a Fitbit, right? That you just get into a pattern of activity where you just feel good. Right. And that's like, it's just useful to have numbers because they give you like an easy way of tracking that and getting and getting into a routine. Mm -hmm. But that ultimately what you would want is like not to have to wear it and be just self-driven by how your experience of the world is going. You've been listening to the Sibling Revelry Podcast. If you want to join this conversation, you can write into our email, siblingrevelrypodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at sibling underscore revelry, or follow us on Instagram at the same handle. This episode was produced and edited by Andrew Merriweather. Our music is by Flamingosis. You can find more of his work at flamingosis.com. A special thanks to Lucia Constantine for her advice this week. And thanks to you for listening. Thank you.